Welcome back to MassQ. Hey, we're right? here. We're About here. 1,098 days, was that the number? It's crazy. And you know what? Here's something that's funny. That was kind of a last minute addition to my little speech. I'm not lying when I say that I had the number sort of in my head, but this morning at seven o'clock in the hotel lobby, I was just looking at my notes and I found a little website. People are like, did you count? I was like, no, I did not count. <laughs> I used a website and I was able to figure out how much time, but I'm just like, it is, it is you know, when, when we transition back to something that we love, uh, I think that people hold on to things a little bit. And like, it's interesting how we've all kind of followed, fall back on using that number, 1,098 days, which represents, like when you think like so much of what has happened mm -hmm. during that time. Um, it's really remarkable. We should probably introduce ourselves. Yeah, I'm Brandon Hall. <laughs> I'm Chris Gosselin. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I don't know where to look. Savvy. Um, so you're you're the first official guest of the newly redesigned broadcast booth, also known as MassQ Live, sponsored by Pro AV Systems. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd just have a conversation and just talk for a little bit, right? And, yeah. And just catch up and see. So what is your, so I'm going to jump right in. Savvy's our executive director, um, and you are not new to MassQ. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what's your history? Like, what have you, what, what does MassQ mean to you in, in the work that you've done as an educator? So my first year teaching, I came so to MassQ. So start over because I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you. You were competitive. I, I'm competitive. You're competitive. <laughs> competitive. So that's where that's your masculine we'll, story that's starts. Where we'll kick it off. Okay. Go I'm on. a Sorry. competitive person, and yeah. there was a game, <laughs> and the game was um, a scavenger hunt through the vendor hall. Oh. And so I did the scavenger hunt, mm -hmm. went through the vendor hall, and um, thought that you know the other two thousand people in attendance were also playing the game because it had been sent out in advance. Everyone else apparently was, you know, looking for vendor sessions, looking for like the keynote, all of that stuff, and did not get directly to the game as, as I did. So um, one of those things was that I had to take a selfie with a vendor, okay. and then that picture went up on all of the screens. The big screens we Because there were supposed to be yeah. hundreds sure. of these hundreds pictures, of but no one else was playing. Except me. So it was just my face on all of the screens, my Twitter selfie. Um, so it feels very full circle <laughs> to full see circle. my picture back on the screens. Um, this time a headshot and not a selfie, which is very nice. Um, yeah. So, so, so um, tell us a little bit about what you did as a science educator uh, at Madison Park vocational high school. Did I get it right? Madison Park Technical, technical Vocational I High School. I missed a word there. In Roxbury, tell Massachusetts. Us about, tell us about that amazing place. Um, it is an absolutely incredible place. Um, I taught physics. I co-taught um, with my colleague, Joe Persaud, uh, who's here today, which is fun. Um, a lot of my colleagues, former colleagues are here, which is phenomenal. Um, and we taught uh, physics to ninth grade students. Um, we use a lot, um, ed tech has been a huge part of my life for, for a long time. I know um, we talked about that on the podcast. Um, but um, so we used a lot of apps and, and stuff uh, once, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, at, when I started at Medicine, my kids didn't have laptops. Um, 
and then we would get grants and so we'd have a class set here and there and then you know everybody had a Chromebook um, all of a sudden and so um, we learned so much um, you know even as two educators who are already pretty tech savvy um, we learned so much more um, through the incredible professional development that we were provided over the during the pandemic and um, kept that kind of going in our classroom um, and yeah it was phenomenal it's great um, so, so I guess you know one of the things we did talk about on the podcast yeah. was your journey as a middle schooler who started out in a one-to-one -one <laughs> program so in Maine and then becomes an educator yeah who's gonna gonna be in a one-to-one -one program I, yeah. I think and we talked about this on the podcast too. Yeah. Uh, so you should probably listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. Just listen, listen to the podcast. To the podcast, guys. <laughs> so, Everybody should listen to the podcast. So, I, I I thought about and I said this to Chris a little a couple of minutes ago was I walked around the vendor floor real quick and listened to the corporate partners and thought in 2019, man, I wish I I had this 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 right. at our school and now we do. Right. Um, what in Wild. what way does does MassQ sort of lead? going forward um, with the tech that's going to happen across the state? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think what I'm really excited about is our survey that's coming out today um, at the at the ice cream hour um, is when we are going to release our survey, which is so exciting. Um, but we we don't know. I don't I don't think anybody really mm. has a full picture yet of what educators and administrators and media specialists and tech directors, like, what does everybody need? What does everybody want? Um, I think that we need a better picture of that. And yeah. so I'm, I'm very excited for our survey to come out so that we can hear from people who have been a part of our community, but also people who haven't been a part of our community um, and really take a look at um, what we can provide the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, this is MassQ, that stands for Massachusetts in case you were wondering, um, and so, we need to serve the entire city. Um, and so hopefully this survey will allow us to have some data to look at, you know, and like Michael Bonner said in his speech, use data for good. Um, and that's, that's our next step. Yeah. And, and I think in one way, looking at things from like at a district level, how does the funding continue to, mm. to, to come into our schools to keep these programs running? And I think one thing MassQ can, can be is a great advocate mm. for educators as a group uh, as a special interest group to be able to go to the state house and say, these are the things that educators are, are, are in need of. Yeah. These are the things we need to continue doing yeah. in order to stay at the forefront. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, once we have the information about what our community wants and needs, then we can be the best advocates possible for them. Um, so I'm really excited to get that data so that we can then analyze it and then act. Um, so that's something I'm really excited about thought about, I'm going to get it wrong, um, but Michael Bonner, our keynote, spoke to that a little bit, where if yeah. you don't, he used a different word, and I know it's a screenshot on my phone. But, I know, right? Um, but if you don't immerse yourself and seek that feedback, yep. you can't do anything. Yep. And, and I really feel like our organization has been at such a crossroads in the past couple of years, especially mm -hmm. with the pandemic. Um, yeah. I really struggled, you know, to share with, just to be totally honest with the two of you, do I mention COVID in my welcome this morning? Right, do I yeah, talk no, that about was a huge decision. Pandemic? Um, and ultimately I chose to 
say what I said because I feel like it's really important to mark the moment of like what we've been through right and to acknowledge that and you know not to go too deep here for a minute but we've all experienced as educators a trauma yeah we have absolutely um and when you work through that any trauma or any sort of process of around trauma it's important to when you know when the time is right to acknowledge reflect and then make a choice about what we can do to move forward and i think that's why i'm really excited about a survey i don't think anyone's like we've never been as excited about collecting a survey (laughs) as we are now but because i feel like so much of what we do has changed in a way um and it's really exciting the partnerships that we're exploring Mm -hmm. um i can think of a few one you know i just hope people check out our desi um we did department of elementary secondary they have a whole suite here this year that's new because we really value that partnership with them um other organizations such um mass who we heard from this morning um, plus, there's countless others, uh, you know, teacher-led, educator-led organizations around Massachusetts that we want to continue to build partnerships with. And so. I know, and in addition to our incredible vendor floor, it blows my mind oh, every year. Our vendor floor is in, yep. uh, just phenomenal. Um, our, we, you know, from our corporate partners to you know every single exhibitor that's here. Right. Um, but we also have some incredible nonprofits here today. Um, you know, who are really doing work. You know in tandem with us yep. um, in a variety of um, capacities. And they're kind of in a new area. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to hear this currently while we're at the conference, <laughs> So, but look it up. But um, <laughs> if, if you're watching this after the fact, um, you you will notice that our nonprofits are, are, because of the new stairs and stuff that they built, which yeah. are, by the way, amazing, game changer, so game changer inside stairs. stairs. Thank um. you. Thank you, Mr. Kraft. I know that you're watching this. <laughs> Thank you He's for the inside is. stairs. He definitely um, but for real though, so we had to do a little shifting, right? But, but I love where our new nonprofits are, like mm-hmm. our new nonprofit area. Yeah. Because people just not that they were up hidden before, but they were they were in a space that was not as easily accessible. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think it's a great testament to us honoring their work and saying, like, yes. we see you, we know what you're doing. We're a nonprofit too, um, and we're in this to support you know teachers and educators around Massachusetts. So. Um, Savvy, I'll, I'll ask a question. I'll hand it back over to Brandon. But what are you most excited about for this week? For this week? This week at, oh my at, at our conference. Yeah. Um, what am I most excited for? This? I mean, this was a this was a lot of work. It took a lot of people to get to this place. Um, we have not only an incredible conference committee that you know all the people that Chris thanked, um, but we. We also have an incredible event management company. We have coordinated with Gillette. Our board of directors is here. We have volunteers from RISTI, which is the Rhode Island ISTE affiliate, um, like our, our sister company. Um, and, you know, I, there, really, it was this more like now, like I guess I'm most excited for right now, <laughs> like the opportunity to just sit and absorb um, that we, like this, this took an incredible community of educators, um, and we did it. Like, we made it happen, and now we just get to do the fun part. So, I was going to ask you what your oh, wow moment was, but it sounds like it's right now. My oh, wow moment. Oh, my oh. This will be, be a throwback for, um, for, our, uh, for our board. Um, my oh, wow moment uh, was this morning when I finally had a blazer on. Um, and I, I started... Uh, you know, people coming up to me and asking me questions. I think 
I think there was a moment yesterday where, you know, Chris was like, well, you're the boss. And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not the boss. Um, And it it wasn't until I put on the blazer um, and, um, you know, got to be up in front of everybody and Mm. really feel the mask energy. I feel like I hadn't felt it yet. Um, last, you know, yesterday was amazing meeting with all our vendors. Um, but you know, all of this amazing stuff wasn't set up yet, like completely. And so, um, and then we, you know, had our president's dinner last night, which was phenomenal. Um, but that was a really small group of people. It was a nice, beautiful, intimate setting. And so walking in this morning and like getting up on that stage with Chris and Heidi and looking out and being like, oh my gosh, like we're here. This is, this is it. Um, that was my oh wow moment for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Savvy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. It was. Um, I think we're going to we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back. Welcome back to the Mass Cube broadcast booth here on Wednesday, October 19th. My name is Brandon Hall, joined uh, in production by Jeff Lane, uh, and here we're talking with Dre. How's it going? How's it going? So, Dre, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. So we're podcast guys. Okay, okay, yeah, right. something like that, something yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we need like a podcast network. We need to like establish a network of podcasts so that there's a sharing of subscribers and listeners and all of those kinds of things. Right, right, um, that's the way to be. Yeah, so so I have an education podcast here through MassQ. Uh, it's called MassQ Get a Q Podcast. And I talk to edu- educators and administrators and things. And you're a college student. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, and what's your podcast about? So basically the Schoolhouse Podcast is about providing an outlet for educators. So different principals, different administrators, they come on and just share their expertise and their experience. Uh, and so how, how long have you been doing it? So roughly I am still new. I've been doing it for about maybe three or four months now. Oh, okay. So still freshly new. Okay. And what's your episode frequency? How often are you coming out with new episodes? Um, so right now I'm on episode 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're going <laughs> to so, lap me. I've been doing it for four years. I'm on 41. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're about hey, to lap me quick. Hey, hey. Everybody moves at their own pace, so hey. But uh, I try to go every week, at least once a week. Yeah, yeah. Once a week, so. Yeah. And how has the listenership been so far? Um... So to be honest and transparent, it started pretty high and now it's low, but I'm just going to continue to push out content and, and just see where it goes from there. Yeah, it's interesting to see sort of the way the content, the, the, the consumption goes back and forth. Like you'll have certain episodes, you'll have no idea why, but all of a sudden right. it spikes way up yes. and it messes up the graph and, and, and it throws off your per episode, you know, mm. your viewership or your listenership. But um yeah. What prompted you to start the podcast? So honestly, man, I was at a place where I knew I wanted to go in education. Mm-hmm. So originally, I'm going to give you the long story, if that's okay. Go for it. Yeah. No, go so for it. I originally started as a leasing agent. And I wanted to get into education. I really wanted to make a difference and really make a change. But I wanted to do it in, in such a way where I can collaborate with other educators because when the pandemic when the pandemic hit I was seeing like people on Facebook, Instagram, like people were just leaving the profession. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, teachers are the real superheroes. You know, I had I've had teachers that have personally made a difference and impact in my life. And so I came up with the idea of a podcast so that educators can have a positive outlook because right now it's, it's it just seems negative. And so I want to get people on the podcast who are passionate 
about making a difference and that will be an outlet for other educators who may feel burnt out, tired, or just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So just for a sense of hope, inspiration. Now, oh, yeah. I, I, on my podcast, I struggle to find people that, want, that are okay with talking on a podcast. How do you find your guests? I'm going to be honest. It's really all God, man, because I started reaching out to people to begin with, mm-hmm. and then people just started flowing in saying, That's hey, good. I want to be on your podcast. I want to be on your podcast. So it's just, it's just been naturally taking its place. So pieces have been falling, it's falling into place. So I'm very grateful for that. That's good. So uh, let's get into the nitty gritty. What do you use for production for your equipment? What do you got? Not Nothing too fancy like this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get like this eventually, but... Uh, I use my laptop, yep. so I use uh, StreamYard. Okay. So I use StreamYard, my laptop, and that's about it. Yeah. And then I'll download the video, the video format, and then I'll take the audio from the um, video, upload it on Anchor, and then it yep. distributes out. Anchor is the best. Yeah. God, yeah, I love Anchor. Yeah. yeah. I, we do ours through Anchor. We were early adopters on Anchor like four or five years ago. Oh, really? And um, it, before it was bought by Spotify, and it was it was really bare bones, but they sent your podcast to everyone, and it yes. was hard to find a company that would do it for free. Right. Because um, we we started with um, oh SoundCloud. Oh sound. Oh we man. We started with SoundCloud, okay. like so, and you only get a certain amount of minutes. You get like 180 minutes of of, of content that you can keep on there. Um, so I always felt like a str- like a struggling performer, mm. like I was <laughs> trying to figure out how many minutes I could move around and like delete old episodes and keep keep new episodes coming in. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it was tough. To create the feed for it then but now it's not yeah. with um spotify taking over for anchor it's just awesome i didn't know that uh spotify brought brought out anchor i didn't know yeah that. Oh, yeah okay. and so you can get with the video content on anchor too you can upload the video mm. right there you can do a video and um and the the, the regular audio podcast i've too. been seeing that but i don't know how to go about that yeah. I, I think i, I I think I would just upload the video from StreamYard, and then I don't know if they do. They do the whole yeah. video. Yep. No, you could do that with StreamYard. Yeah. Oh, mm. that's my. Uh, make sure you come back to the broadcast booth a lot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. 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 Um, yeah. So with uh, StreamYard, StreamYard's great for that. We did um, another podcast uh, that actually Jeff, who's in production here, um, okay. the company that we work for it separately. Uh, we use StreamYard. One person is in England. One person. Um, is in LA and I'm mm. here in Boston and the three of us get on video mm. and do the podcast and use the StreamYard. It's oh, great. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. That's so pretty cool. It's pretty cool that you can do do that kind of stuff now, right? It was yeah. never even thought of before. Yeah, podcasting is um is taking off right now. A lot of people are starting podcasting and the technology has evolved so uh, and and so I got to ask, what's your favorite podcast that's out there that's not your own? That's not my and own. And you don't have to say get a cue cuz I, I I would I would be like, I would accept the compliment, but then I'd feel like, you know, there's, there's a little bit going on there. Right. So um, I have, it's two of them. Yep. But it's one called The Mass Impact. That's more education driven. Um, the host is Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. I'm not sure if you heard of him. I think so. Yeah. And he has, he has The Mass Impact and the one, another one called Secret to Success. Okay. So more like personal development keeps me motivated. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any entertainment podcasts? that you listen Any to or news or or anything like that so there's one that i i mean i listened to one that was like entertaining it was interesting but i'm not really into like listen to entertainment yeah i mean i listen to sports like the athlete yep. pack the podcast yeah, yeah i listen to i listen to that per- periodically so yeah. yeah do you have a guilty pleasure podcast that you didn't tell anyone you'd listen to it's like the one you get in the car and you listen to it when nobody's around uh, no i don't <laughs> but i do have one that um 
that may be that may be good for for people to listen to. Um, called Earn Your Leisure. It talks about like financial literacy and okay. stocks and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay, yeah. The most recent one I listened to that was uh, that I loved was Missed Fortune. Missed Fortune. Missed Fortune. Yeah, it was about um, these guys that are out searching for. Uh, there's like a, a box mm. in the middle of the Rocky Mountains somewhere that's been hidden. There's a 21-line poem of clues, and there's millions of dollars worth of gold and jewels inside of it. And mm. these guys are trying to find it. Oh, and it's wow. It's a podcast about their experience of trying to find it. It's wild. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. So you come up here for the conference. Mm. Um, what are your sort of uh, expectations for the rest of the uh, of what you're going to do for the rest of the time here? Ah, uh, man, I'm honestly just looking to connect with people. You know, hopefully I can walk away with some good relationships and hopefully learn. You know, learn, observe, and just get to connect with people. So yeah, that's pretty much what I'm looking to take away from the from yeah. the conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and this is a great place to do that. It yeah, really man. is. Uh, this is my fourth or fifth att- time attending, and every time I come out mm. with something new, I'm like, man. I wish I had known that before, but I'm going to take this back to my school district and use it. Oh, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, and yeah, so two, two years or so, you're going to be looking to be in the classroom? Well, so two years from now, I'm looking to be not necessarily in the classroom. I'll be a school psychologist. Oh, okay. So I'll be going to different schools and helping with IEPs mm-hmm. and helping students that deal with trauma. So looking forward to doing that and also speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I want to travel and speak to, like, different, like, Similar to what the presenters are doing here, just traveling, speaking to different educators and professors and things like that. Yeah, very cool. Well, Dre, thank you so much for coming on with us here. Oh, yeah. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, not. Well, you should absolutely go on down. It's Schoolhouse. The Schoolhouse Podcast. The Schoolhouse Podcast. Check yes. out the Schoolhouse Podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the regular it's, platforms. It's, exactly. Yeah, yes. Great. Yes. All right. Great. Thank you so much, and we'll be back. Hi, everyone. Chris Gosselin here. I'm here with the amazing Michael Bonner, our keynote for our fall conference. Um, we're going to be joined by Brandon Hall hopefully soon. He might jump into the shot here. Who knows? Maybe he's under the desk. I don't know where he is, but he'll, he'll show up and uh, jump right in. But, um, you know, Michael, I just want to say how absolutely honored we are that you were able to come and spend time with us here at MassQ. I, I am blown away. I'm honored myself. I think I've told you thank you a thousand yeah. times and I will say it over and over again. Um, for me as a teacher, I think it's great to always be in a space with other people that create mm-hmm. and to see all the different vendors and meeting the amazing educators. And even in my breakout session at Fireside Chat, I was taking notes from other people about what can I do to do differently in my classroom. So. I like that because it's just all about a collaboration. This is one of the best conferences I've ever attended and spoken at, and wow. it's it's magic happening. That's here. really awesome. That's really great to hear. I mean, we obviously like, there's a lot of work yes. uh, that goes into this experience. Yes. A lot of planning. Yes. Um, and as you know, I mean, 1,098 days, right? Like that's right. The, that's the last time we were gathered here, so it's a long time coming. And um, anyway, so. I, I just want to talk to you a little bit sure. more about, let's, uh, let's dive in a little bit to what you talked about during your keynote okay. today. Okay. Um, I love your idea. Uh, I want to first talk about self-efficacy. Uh, yeah. Like that is so, I've heard, and I've talked about it, I'm an assistant principal, my yes. day job, right? Right. Um, and we talk a lot about collective efficacy yes. in that work. But yes. can you tell us a little bit more about how, um, you know, you you came to having self-efficacy be something that you present to teachers when you meet with them around the country. Yeah, so collective efficacy is essential because you're trying to get the environment to be suitable enough 
for individuals to learn to have a great time. Right. Self-efficacy deals with more so the individual and getting that child to have the confidence, right? So for me, what I've recognized in my work in these last 10 years have been going by fast. Um, when you really want to reach a child, how can you connect with them? Of course, you have those that will listen to the curriculum. You have those that will basically respect you, but you have some environments in certain situations where they are not budging if you can't connect with them. Right. So for me, self-efficacy really is the teacher's ability to adapt and be flexible to learn about other cultures so that they can design an even better lesson and design an even better experience so their kids can learn. Because I told them in my breakout session, I'm humble enough to know that I'm a great teacher on the eastern side of the United States of America, but as I transition to a Texas or to a California or Arizona, yeah. places where the cultures begin to, the diversity amplifies even more, I can't lean so much on what I know. I'm going to have to step out and grow to help build self-efficacy with other students to get them to buy into the curriculum. So it's something I'm big on. And in, in, in one of my books, I wrote Relationships Before Content. I believe content is essential, but I also believe that establishing a relationship you yeah. know, creates that magic too. Tell me more about relationships. Oh, like, what's your, what's your biggest piece of advice to maybe a teacher who's thinking, I could, I could do a better job building relationships with my students, um, or you know, wants to work on that? So Tell what I've learned that. is that you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So for this past weekend, here's a good example. We have fourth graders that come into our school, we're fourth through, uh, fourth through eighth grade, and in order to get them to buy in, it's an expectation for the staff, you must memorize every child's name and be able to pronounce it correctly, which yeah. is mind blowing, right? Yeah. So once we do that, they uh, encourage to build relationships. So I went to two birthday parties this weekend. I was tired, Chris. I did not want to go to the birthday party. <laughs> I wanted to lay in my blanket. I wanted to relax. I wanted to not grade papers or anything about education. But when yeah. we showed up, a coworker and I, to the actual uh, birthday party, yeah. the kids' eyes like lit up and their parents were excited and we took pictures and we hugged and we laughed. We only stayed for five to 10 minutes, but that memory for them is gonna be forever ingrained, sure. that experience for them. So for teachers, I would tell them, be okay with being uncomfortable. There's gonna be things, we don't know everything in regards to children's dynamics or their home going or, or what's going on at home or anything they're dealing with. So being intentional about stepping out and trying to meet them where they're at works wonders. I have five kids now in the back of my mind that I'm gonna to have to do that this weekend yeah. because this weekend school has been the greatest for them, right? Yeah. So before I let that pattern continue of behavior that's not acceptable in many expectations in my class, mm -hmm. how can I be proactive and try to stop it before it becomes worse? What about relationships with parents, families, and caregivers? Oh, huge. Uh, we completed a book this year for the Ron Clark Academy. I forgot the author, but the title of it is called Raving Fans. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially about how can you make raving fans out of people. We've seen raving fans before. You want to see a raving fan? Go to YouTube, type in a Michael Jackson concert. <laughs> from back and you will see people just fainting right because <laughs> yeah. they were so elated to be in his presence so yeah. what did he do he delivered he delivered a performance he delivered great songs mm -hmm. so this year we've been focused on how to make our parents raving fans so for me uh, that's been sending weekly emails at the beginning of the week hey this is what we're covering in class uh, that also includes reaching out to them uh, for the good and the bad yeah it also includes when they're coming to the school hugging them genuinely and speaking to them just trying to make that connection with them as well because as teachers we can't do it. you can't do it by yourself yeah it's impossible and i'm sure even from the admin perspective it's it's impossible <laughs> yeah and I, I mean like i really try to um uh, as an assistant principal at elementary school right working with similar age kids that you work yeah. with i feel like 
for me, if I can make, like, even if sometimes an interaction with a kid, you know, is about how can you, um, you talked about this morning in yeah. your in your yeah. keynote, right? Uh, a choice is made. We have yes. to help them work through that choice. That's what it's all about, yes. right? Yes. Um, but I always ensure to make sure I make a positive connection yes. with that student. You know what? It might not be right away, but it might be maybe an hour later, you know the next what? day, something like that, because I, I don't want... I don't want to leave it on that note. And right. As a trusted adult, hopefully a trusted adult for them yeah. in our building, I can be someone that can be a resource. And you future. said something key there that yeah. it doesn't happen immediately. And right. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions ever that they just want to automatically connect with you. It's not. Yep. Sometimes it, there's been times a child would connect with me until after Christmas break. We've mm -hmm. been through four months of content and stuff by now, right? Yep. So I like how you say that. And that's even a reminder to me um, as I head back into the classroom tomorrow to teach. So that's, yeah. that's big. Yeah. Oh, it's big, man. I think, um, so do you ever do any work around restorative practices in your classroom? Talk to us about how kids in your class, there's some sort of conflict. Yes. We're going to get, let's get into teaching. Let's yeah. get into elementary right now, right? Let's do it. Um, if, if there's some sort of a conflict or something that's going on, right. talk to us about your approach on how, because I can tell you're such a relationships for a guy. Yes, for sure. Talk to and, us about that. But even in relationships, there are boundaries and expectations, mm -hmm. right? And, and as adults, sometimes we're great with those. Sometimes we break them. Sometimes we don't. Yep. In my class, I try to make sure they get the understanding of let's have a conversation about what happened mm -hmm. and, and let's try to talk through the different perspectives of what were you thinking when this action happened and how can we actually make sure we redirect it next time. So one of the biggest things in restorative practices in my class is not jumping straight to suspension, but let's actually get them to learn how to have a confidence within themselves to talk about, okay, this is what happened, this is what I was thinking. Does it make it right? No, but at least we can get an idea of what they are thinking so then we can learn how to intercept with the strategy. The next time you feel this frustrated, instead of punching the furniture, how about raising your hand and I'll give you a stress ball <laughs> and you go get a breather for 30 seconds in the corner and then come back to class and learn. So that's how it sort of happens in my class, mainly through conversation, but also restorative practices, making sure I maintain a healthy climate and culture for the school. So I stick to the expectations of the consequence, right? So if a child unfortunately says some verbal disrespectful words to teachers, mm -hmm. then you're going to get the consequence, but yeah. baby, let's talk about what happened yep. in this so we can avoid it next time. Yeah, you're setting and, the tone. Uh, setting the tone. Right, and you're teaching the skills, and that's what I talk about with parents all the time. Yes. In those difficult conversations, it's like, we're here to help your child grow. Mm -hmm. They're in elementary school, right? Right, and right. that's okay, they're going to make mistakes. Right. My job is to help you be the best kid that you can be. And you know, Chris, I've even found out, I'm going to get comfortable now because I yeah, like this, go. this is nice. Yeah. So I've even found out as well that um, it's the follow-up that's the magic. Yep. Like, after you redirect them, after you tell them this is what they better do the next time, like, the follow-up the next morning yep. or afternoon or at the birthday party on the weekend, yep. um, that's where the true magic takes place at because to them it shows, oh, they're really invested in me right. to, to follow back up with me. So that is what's, that's been something that's been key in my class, the conversation, yep. the follow-up, and also the communication with the parents and stuff as well. Hey, I love your baby. I love them so much. Yeah. Today they had a little situation where they messed up, um, but we've talked, we've had yep. the conversation, and they promised me they're going to fix it. Right. And that lets the parents know I'm not attacking them, and that yep. lets them know, well, maybe I don't need to jump down their throat when you talk yep. to them as well. So. And that you're partnering with them to help their child. Partnering yep. with them to help the child. Yep. That's how I know you're an amazing, te amazing teacher and leader. <laughs> Because that partnering piece is essential, yeah. especially right now is with so much stress going on. Oh. Because if we feel the stress, I'm sure the parents feel the stress Absolutely. inside of the homes yeah. and stuff as well. So Absolutely. great point. Yeah. Great point. So I want to um, turn it back to technology. Sure. Let's a get to bit. it. Digital learning in um, 
What do, what do you think right now? Not you know, there's always like you hear these podcasts, oh, yeah. conversations about trends. Yeah. What are the trends right now? And, <laughs> yeah. and that's good. Like great. Yeah, that's part of the reason why we come to events like Mask. Yes. We want to know. We want to be up to speed about what's going on. Yes. But what do you what do you think? You talked about it a little bit this morning in your mm-hmm. keynote. What are the what are maybe the top couple of really exciting things that you're seeing as you travel around the country, go to all these different schools, maybe some of the work that you do at Rock Park Academy, like what are the most exciting things that are on the horizon for you right now? Well, some of the things I've seen going around the country is there was a school, I think it was Plano, Illinois, um, their entire high school was revamping and building a new library where it's a workspace. Um, and also they were building a, they had an actual merchandise t-shirt, t-shirt printing shop in the high school. So local businesses will hire the high school students to print the shirts for them. Okay. In my mind, I'm thinking as we operate in capitalism and entrepreneurship in the world, you're giving them a skill set that isn't traditionally taught, which is huge. They had a, 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 a chef in the kitchen right across where wow. kids can go in and learn and the teacher had a docu-cam on top of the stove and they will follow behind them. Powerful. Um, A lot of things I'm seeing across the country, and I hope it's embraced more, is student leadership, and not only in their learning, but the products they're creating. Yeah. So like I said, at our school, we have five kids, five or six kids now, that run the entire technology of the school. They set up the cameras, they run the lights, they they run the music, they make sure the lighting is great. When teachers are coming in, it's it's powerful. Mm -hmm. But also, I'm hoping that we get to see kids create more. There's something called Bloom's Digital Taxonomy. And with Bloom's Digital Taxonomy, um, at the part of it, it is creating. That's evaluating, that's podcasting, that's directing. They're already doing that through TikTok, Snapchat, and things like that. How can we apply that in the academic space? And that's something I'm really looking forward to, seeing kids take ownership of their learning and producing those products. What do you, what do you say to teachers or educators who say, oh, TikTok, I'm not going to do TikTok in my classroom. That's too risky. Like, yeah. that's too, what, do you, what do you say to those educators to help coach them through Flip grid. fear? Flipgrid. Flipgrid is yeah. essentially Flip, the yeah. video version of TikTok, yeah. Snapchat. <laughs> and what happens is what we are so, and what, you know, this is great, Chris. Let's go here. Yeah. I am so terrified of not growing as an educator because our kids are at the point now where they're evolving and moving faster than we were when we were kids. Yeah. So here's a, a fun fact for everybody that's listening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we ask people in this entire place, who uses Google to search for food and places to go? Majority of the people here, right, myself. But Forbes released an article in January that TikTok has surpassed Google and Facebook as the most used search engine. That's crazy. So that lets me know that they are already moving down this hill faster than what we're doing. And if we don't shift and change, Mm -hmm. we're going to be left behind. We're going to be the teachers that we're talking about. I missed the digital projector and they're (laughs) on the Oculus goggles, right? right? So that for teachers that are apprehensive, embrace it because it's not easy. But understand that if we don't shift and change, we could potentially lose powerful moments and experiences in our classroom. That's where I'm at with it. I, I have to change. Yeah. Like, there's a new application called Be Real. I didn't know about know. it. Yeah, so you know. I didn't yeah. know. Only heard about it recently. I'm still stuck and stubborn on Instagram and yeah, Facebook. Seriously. So Old school Instagram. For sure. Right? But hopefully that helps because what we, what you'll notice here, and I talked to a couple of teachers here. Yeah, we're old school now, Chris, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to some teachers here, a lot of them are believers. Sure. They believe in what they're doing. They're excited. But they have co-workers or working environments where their creativity is suppressed, and it's so unfortunate. Right. It's so unfortunate. But I want to re- gently remind people we are 41st in the world in regards to education. Mm-hmm. So if we don't embrace this creativity, there's no way in the world that we can compete with the likes of China, Finland, Russia, Germany, other countries, um, if we're trying to produce the top thinkers and the top uh, producers in the world. So we're going to have to shift. Yep. And it makes me think of a, uh, my father has a broken pinky. Yeah. My father has a broken pinky, and if we try to 
fix it now. He broke it when he was a teenager. If we try to fix it now, it would be the most excruciating, painful experience because yeah. it's been so long since there's been any correction to that injury. But if we can sort of figure out in education how can we shift and fix things now, it'll be better. The longer yeah. we wait, the more painful it's going to be. The more painful it's going to be. I wow. love this, Chris. This is a this nice is setup. I love it. All right, I, I got a good it. question for you. Yeah. Tough one. Tough. I, I think it's tough. I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Um, you mentioned your keynote this morning. We're yes. facing a massive, massive teacher shortage. An exodus. Administrators too? Yes. Yes. What would be your one piece of advice to a teacher who is like you were, like you shared in a very personal moment in right. the keynote? Right. Um, right on the cusp of making that decision. Yeah. What advice, piece of advice would you give that teacher? I would say to, on a Saturday, because teachers don't get a break anyway, or admin, God, y'all yep. work through the weekend. Take a moment, at least a day, cut the emails off, close the computer, yep. and I want you to really reflect and think about what is stressing you out, what is, what is, what is triggering you, mm -hmm. and is it fixable, right? And if it is fixable, then you can make solutions of Maybe I can go to a different district. Maybe there's something I can say to my admin that would help change the dynamics in my classroom. But for that educator that feels like none of it, there's no solution, yeah. I don't want you to feel um, guilt for leaving. Um, because the reality of it is, Chris, and people need to understand this, whatever emotional temperament you're operating in or whatever psychological state that you're in, you're going to exude that in the classroom. Yeah. So if you're unhappy, if you're stressed out, if you're depressed, that energy is being released into the classroom. Absolutely. So the last thing we want is a slew of teachers staying in the classroom and they're depressed and they're not active. Right. And it happens because life happens in the classroom and outside of the classroom. So I would say take a moment to reflect and really reevaluate. Um, is this something you really want to do? For me, I know it's by the grace of God um, that I'm here because I know that I wanted to quit teaching. Yeah. I am so sure uh, being hit by chairs, you know, the environment, 14 different principals in six years. That's crazy. But I know when I had a moment to myself and said, before I quit and leave this thing, I'm going to give it one more shot. Yeah. I just have to, within me, for this, my peace of mind, I have to give it one more shot to see if there's something I can do differently. And it just so happened, the thing I did differently caught enough attention. So I would encourage people, take the time, reflect, reevaluate, is this, is this for you? And it's okay if it is not. Yeah. I think we've demonized people leaving the profession without asking why. And, yeah. um, and you are a brilliant pundit in regards to education, so we both know there are certain school environments and districts that that's just not healthy for yeah. anybody. And if it's not healthy for the teachers, it's not sustainable. It's not, sustainable. Right. It's not a sustainable right. practice or system. So yep. definitely just reevaluate, think about what works for them. Awesome. Well, and, yeah. Michael, thank you so much. Of course, We're man. proud to have you as a friend of Maskew. Yes, and, uh, yes. Hope, hope this won't be your last time here. We want to invite you back and come back and Listen, see us anytime. I, I, I would love to. I, unfortunately, <laughs> I have to go back today and catch a flight three hours to teach my kids. But yeah. when I do come back, let's grab some great food. Let's grab some teachers. And, and just please, man, keep continue to doing the great things that you're doing. It's so refreshing. It was 1,098 days since yep. everybody's been together. Yep. And the best thing I saw today was teachers smiling. Awesome. It's the best thing. And That's when you awesome. have that happening... That's how you know mask is effective. So, yeah. thank, thank you, you man. Much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I don't want to leave. Appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, there we are on the screen. Yeah. Hey. Hey.
Hey, I'm Colleen Terrell. I'm the Director of Technology and Digital Learning for Seekonk Public Schools, and I'm also a board member for MassQ. I'm the co-chair of INA, which is Influence and Advocacy, and our champions. And here with me is... I am Karen Winsberg, Director of Instructional Technology for the Norton Public Schools. I am also a member of the Influence and Advocacy Committee uh, with Colleen and Heidi. So really excited to be here to just chat with my good friend. Looking forward to uh, talking about the whole conference and how it's been going. And we really want to take some time to feature our amazing vendors. They are just been incredible and without them this conference wouldn't happen because they support everything that we do and they also support our schools. We were really excited to come back face-to-face uh, -face and be in person but I think it's really um, critical for us to actually see our vendor partners face to face. Uh, we have developed relationships with them certainly you know over the years but I think the pandemic um, and not having the connections you know, not being able to, to really meet with them. Um, everything over the phone has is, is been fine, but, you know, being back here at MassQ, it's just great to be able to smile and shake hands and uh, Yeah, and even the joke support. with them or yeah. have a good time. I was joking with one of the vendors this morning, and I was down on my bended knee, and we were laughing. He's like, you're proposing. And he's like, I couldn't have done this if we were virtual. You know, right. we had so much fun. And that's, that's the kind of relationship you want to have with your vendors. Right. Uh, they're so wonderful. And I think the conference allows you to really um, kind of branch out and meet new vendors that you wouldn't have the opportunity to meet otherwise. And I know, um, you know, a lot of districts got a lot of equipment and a lot of software and new things over the past several years, but now we're tweaking things, right? And we're looking to refine our uh, processes and, and such. So it's really nice to make some new connections. Yeah, and stopping by their booths and having those important conversations, tell me about your product right. and, and making sure that you're questioning them. And it gives you that time that you might not have on the phone, you know, so you can really make that human contact and get your answers. So yeah. that's what I love about being on the vendor floor. Agreed. And it, it has like a happy feeling this year, right? It's super positive. Um, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Everybody was coming up the stairs this morning, smiling. They're excited. The last two days, actually, you know, they're happy to be here. I kept hearing over and over as they were coming on up the escalator. It's so good to be here in person. I can't wait to talk to everyone. Make sure you also stop by the booths and get all their incredible swag. Yeah. We, we joke that we go uh, trick-or-treat at the booths and, and get their stuff. And they're more than willing to give uh, you the swag because they don't want to pack it up and bring it back with That's them. Right. So um, <laughs> I think it's some really, you know, interesting, unique items this year, such as some socks. Yes. Um, I got a cool, what, light up uh, drink Oh, yeah. We, we should have brought those. I know. Oh. That would have been amazing. Those are cool. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. I, I've seen people bring up food. They've been giving out that. Absolutely. They've been giving out candy, but also tons of pens and cool stuff. Yeah. But I do think, you know, on a serious note, uh, we really are so appreciative of all the support from the vendors and, um, you know, look forward to continuing the, the partnerships for the many years ahead. Exactly. And we want to make sure that they're happy and things are going well for them and, and want to thank them very much for all that they do for us here at the conference and every day. Yes. All right. That's great. Thank you.
This is Dr. Raina Friedman here at the MassQ live booth with John Soash. Hi, John. Great to be here. Thank you uh, for having me. I have heard that your sessions have been standing room only. It's been fun. How do yeah. you feel about that? It's great. I appreciate the warm welcome. It's been great to be here in the Northeast. Is this your first time here at MassQ? First, first time at MassQ. Yep. I worked with a lot of schools in the greater New England area. And a lot of them said, oh, you got to come to MassQ. So here I am. And could you tell us about the work that you actually do? Sure. So it's pretty straightforward. I help uh, schools use Google and Chromebooks in interesting ways. So I work with teachers, students, done parent seminars and workshops, just helping them utilize the great products that we're familiar with. Docs, slides, classroom, but to do interesting things, go beyond traditional you know worksheets and things like okay. that so if you don't mind me asking what got you into that line of work um, yes it's quite an interesting story it was very accidental this was not a career plan um, so I was a teacher taught high school science I'm from Michigan so I taught outside of Detroit um, and Are you Tom Brady fans he absolutely that's Michigan. we grew them up there so all of you guys in New England have us to thank for uh, for all those championships sorry for interrupting <laughs> no big Michigan, football fan. that's where my head yep, goes that's exactly I watched him win a national championship in 1997 absolutely so, anyways I was in the classroom yep. and a lot of people probably had this experience my first few years teaching was when the transition from we had a computer lab okay. that you would go to like once a semester. Everybody had their tech lesson. Yeah. And then they gave every kid an iPad. Oh. And there were not one-to-one programs okay. at the time. So it was brand new and no one knew what to do. There were no books. There were no conferences. There, nobody else had done it. So you had to figure it out. And that's what we started to do. And probably one of the most beneficial things I did is I started a blog Okay. Back in 2007, something like that. And I just was sharing my thoughts, the good and the bad. Um, and over time, um, I shared conferences. And then one time a school district was like, hey, will you come and share some of the things you're doing? I was like, sure. Like, and we'll pay you. Oh, I was yeah, like, whoa. Awesome. You guys pay people to do this? I was just going <laughs> to come for free. Um, and a uh, decade later, it's what I do full-time. So quite accidental, but I love it. I love working with uh, teachers. Teachers are great. Um, technology is a lot of fun. So put the two together, and it's a fun job. And so what have you been sharing here at MassQ? And then I believe you still have a session left, left if anyone wants to catch you. Yep. Um, so several things. I did a Chromebook session. Uh, and again, my focus is you know Chromebooks, they're cheap. A lot of schools bought them because either they're inexpensive or they needed them for testing or remote learning, which is fine. But there's so much more you can do with them. So I teach, uh, show teachers, you know, some creative, innovative yep. ways you can use them, cool apps, project examples, student podcasting, video creation, um, my Mount Rushmore project. There's okay. lots of different uh, things. So I did that, some Google Classroom sessions, and then I've got a, an admin. That's so why I do the admin stuff as well. That's yep. the one that's coming up. So all of you admins still left in the building, not back at your schools, definitely check out the Google admin session. So now, what do you think is the most underrated Google tool that people are, don't know about, that they should? It's a great question, great question. Um, so right now, I'm really fascinated by Google Docs. Yeah. And most people are like, oh, Google Docs, yeah, word processing. So Google has introduced these things called smart chips. I knew you were going to go there. Yep. So, I mean, if you think back, at, at one point in history, the concept of a hyperlink 
yep. was revolutionary. Do you know Roger Wagner with HyperDocs? Uh, Hyper Studio? I, I know a little bit about it, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's Back where in it the all day. started. Crazy, all you Roger Wagner <laughs> fans. <laughs> well, the hyperlink has been pretty much unchanged nope, that is, that is forever. Been, yep, that has been well needed. So a smart chip is essentially a, a hyperlink, but it's much richer. Yes. And that's what Google has introduced. And now why don't you explain to our audience what a chip the chip is? Because sure. not everybody might know that exists yet. Yeah, so if you go to Google Docs and you type the at symbol, you're going to get this menu. Mm-hmm. And there are several chips. It's very new. So right now you can insert a people chip. So you can tag a person. And it actually pulls up their full profile and shows you, you know, their contact, whatever they've decided to share. So people chips, calendar chips. You can tag events in your calendar um, and files. Yep. So especially linking to files that are in Google Drive, for example. Okay. Is it only linking to files in Google Drive or could somebody pull from their computer? Currently. Okay. So phase one, which we've been in for the last six, eight months, those are the only three. Last week, Google just announced that they're going to open up smart chips to third parties. So anybody who knows how to code (laughs) can create a smart chip. So theoretically... We could be smart chipping away with a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm looking right now. I've got the Cami booth down, down the hall here. Cami could develop a smart chip so that you could tag a Cami activity in a document. Okay. Um, or Edpuzzle or Nearpod or Canva or anything. Okay. So I think in the next 6 to 12 months, you'll start to see this whole idea of these enhanced hyperlinks, if you will, um, get more interesting. So people should start looking at Google Docs in a little bit of a deeper way. Didn't they just add to, like, the drop-down menus? Yep. There's lots of uh, new things. Those are templates. So you can actually quickly pre-format your document with a variety of um, project trackers, review guides, uh, meeting note templates, email drafts. Again, super cool. So you went with Google Docs. I often find one of the most underrated Google tools is Google Draw. Mm-hmm. And I was at your session yesterday where you shared some different things you could do with Google Draw. Do you want to share any of those with our yeah. audience? So getting outside of the worksheet, you know, getting outside of the eight and a half by 11 style project yeah. is something that's great. So drawing and Jamboard both kind of fit that mold. Yeah. Uh, being able to sketch and draw, great for social studies, for maps. You can, you know, plot out the key things, uh, science, do diagrams. Um, I do graphic organizers in, uh, in drawing. So okay. yeah, both drawing and Jamboard, they have some similarities. Jamboard's a little better if you have a touch screen. Okay. Drawing is easier to use, is better if you have non-touch. Okay, and is there, do you have a go-to Google tool? Well, I, it's like picking a favorite child. Sorry, um, maybe twins? Triplets. I mean, I'm 100% Chromebook, okay. so I only use things that are web-based okay. so that they work on a Chromebook. So my Chromebook is my, I mean, I spend hours a day looking at that is thing. Is there an so. extension or an add-on you would want to share? Yeah, so, I mean, the one that I probably use most frequently is the Emoji Keyboard extension, which is kind of a silly one, but I use Emoji all the time. Um, That one I use a lot. I have a URL link shortener that I use um, quite frequently. Um, Color Picker, so I do a lot of color matching for websites and and stuff, Uh, so that's uh, another one. Do you have a favorite? I'm always looking to learn new extensions. 
I actually really like the ability to poll in Google Slides. Mm -hmm. So I give PD, so when you start off um, with virtual PD and you want yeah. to collect the temperature in the room, yep. not everybody is in a Zoom with the chat comfortable to even do that. So yep. when I put it up, I put the little poll, it goes right into the slide deck. They then can get it with a QR code no matter where they are in the world nice. and then answer the poll. Love it. I think it makes it it's a really good thing to do. The other thing, which I don't know if it, I don't know if everyone has access to it, Alice Keeler developed one that allows you to respond to individual students when they respond to a form. Mm -hmm. I found that was missing. Yep. And she codes a lot with that stuff. So Alice that is great. She's got a lot of a uh, lot of creative ones. Um, yeah, Alice and I, we've chatted. So we have one unique thing in common. We both have five kids. Yep. And I'm always impressed. I don't know how she does it. Five kids. Her kids are a little older than mine. Yep. And all the coding and teaching and all the stuff she does. So, hey, Alice. You're doing yeah, a great shout job. out to Alice Keeler here. <laughs> All right, I think we could go into our what I call the Johnny Cash Ring of Fire, where we're going to ask you some right. off the beaten path questions. Here we go. Here we you go. You answer honestly. If you could be any character in any movie, who would you be and why? Got it. Okay, so the first thing that came to mind um, is Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. Oh. I don't know if you've ever noticed. You got to rewatch the movie. He is eating in every single scene. He's always eating something. So you watch the movie, and so if you like snacks, that's the character you should pick. Okay, you said you had five kids. I do. So what is something special about your family? Well, having five kids is pretty unique um, in and of itself. Um, our kids are evenly spaced. We have two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. It, or, uh, excuse me. Six, a six-year-old, so okay. six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen are the ages. Um, yeah, so I guess having five kids fairly close in age is a relatively unique thing for us. What are four things your friends would say that you're really good at? Well, I mean, that I'm known as the Google guy, the Chromebook guy, so yep. um, I do that. Um, my family would say plugging stuff in. I don't. I don't know. It's. Plugging I guess it's. It's a skill. In. So like, whenever the we have to plug the DVD player in or something, I'm always the one who has to figure out which cords go where. Okay. Um. That's two. Yep. Two more. If you I have no accidentally picture. become a handyman. Okay. So we have a couple of renovation projects going on. I'm not very good at anything, but I can do a little bit of plumbing, a little bit of electrical, a little bit of construction, some car maintenance. Uh, I can do a little bit of all of that. All right. Now, I know you're not from the New England area, so what is the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Um, well, I've eaten some weird things. I spent some time in the Philippines, so various stages of raw and partially cooked fish um, doesn't I couldn't I couldn't handle it but they have a really strange delicacy over there where it's a hard-boiled egg oh. except the chicken is like half grown they've tried to get me to eat it I couldn't do it I couldn't do it no they tried I'm out all right I got two more if you could change anything about the way we do school what is something that you would change and why? So I think this is a very simple change, but I think if we outlawed eight and a half by 11 assignments, oh. it, would, it would force teachers 
to just look at their assignments differently. Like okay. you don't recognize the limitations you place on yourself yep. and you think, oh, this has to be printed, it has to be in this format. Okay. So if we eliminated eight and a half by 11, I think it would change a lot of perspectives. All right, and I'm gonna bring it back to why we sat down about your work to begin with. What do you wish a Chromebook could do that it doesn't currently do? Um, that's a, a good one. They're so much better today. I've yep. been using Chromebook full time for like seven years and it was rough at the beginning. It was really rough. One thing, I was just chatting with the, the guys over the Google booth and this feature is coming, so I'm happy. One thing I've always been envious, you've got a MacBook here. Yep. You cannot do on a Chromebook. So I work with like five different schools. Yep. On a Mac, you I can know. set up five I know where you're Chrome going. profiles. Yep. Exactly, you I know where you're going You cannot do that on a Chromebook. Yep. And so switching between the schools is challenging. Yep. That feature is coming. Oh, that's good to know. A little, um, little hot insider tip here, so, MassQ. Yeah, it, it, I'm waiting impatiently. Yes, I, I, you know what, you're right. I, can, I like that I can go back and forth between different nice. browsers. And the Chromebook, I have to keep logging Correct. out and logging back in, which yep. makes it kind of tedious. But it does. I'm glad to hear that they're, well, you know, Google's really good about listening they do. to feedback and making changes. Mm -hmm. We're very fortunate to have a lot of vendors here at MassQ. John, I can't thank you enough for being here at MassQ, for choosing us to come yeah, share your goodness. Great. Good luck in your last session, admin. You better run. There's been standing room only, I hear. And uh, there's cookies in the vendor area. Oh, is it snack time? Yes, it's snack Gee, time. Sorry, picked, so we're going to go get a cookie uh, and head on about our day. But thank you so much. You're welcome, Raina. And I hope everyone has an amazing rest of their day at MassQ. Welcome back to the MassQ Fall Conference. My name is Brandon Hall. Uh, we're recording live here from the MassQ Live booth. Uh, we, we're trying a live podcast episode Woo, here. Yeah. Co-host Neil Sonnenberg. Hello, everybody. Oh thank you for having me. Excited and, to be here. And our guests, Heidi McGregor. Hello. Hi, Heidi. And we've got Chris Gosselin. What's up, Brandon? President. President Chris Gosselin. Oh, so, Maskew President you. Chris Gosselin and yes. Maskew President-elect Heidi McGregor. Welcome. Thank you. We're glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're at the very end here of a very long two days. What are your impressions, sort of, of... A, I, an overview of the entire system. I, uh, I'm not even sure that these were very, I know that they were very long two days, but they feel like they went by in about a mm. second because this was the most energizing, exciting two days that we've had in a while, and we've waited so long for this moment. Um, and I have to say, it's been fabulous. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? It's been incredible. It's been absolutely incredible. I agree with Heidi. It has flown by. Um, I think it's just like the feedback I've received just talking to people, people stopping to talk and just has all been really positive. Yeah. And I think that that's a testament to the work of the conference committee. It's a testament to the work of the board of directors and of course a testament to our executive director Savvy and our staff. So um, I'm really proud of the work that we did the past couple of days. It's awesome. And people can leave feedback about the conference through the through the app and through the survey, correct? Yes. Um, if folks did not scan the survey on their way out today or yesterday, it will be sent by email. And we want not only for the people who attended this conference to complete the survey, we want them to send the survey to their friends who are in the education world 
um, who did not attend the conference because we are looking for some really strong feedback of how we can do even more in the future. Yeah, and, and I, speaking for me that on the responsiveness of the feedback, the only complaint I heard at all in, in 48 hours was that the coffee got shut off too early yeah, yesterday. The coffee. And the coffee was here. The coffee. And the coffee is still and here. And it's 2.48 or right. whatever time it is. But, but and I'm drinking coffee right now. And, that, and that's it, the... We're responsive, Brandon. That's what I'm we saying. We respond to people's needs. That's what I'm needs. saying. The responsiveness to the people's needs, yeah. right? The issue was there was not enough Listen, coffee yesterday, and there's plenty we, of coffee today. We were. We have not been back here in this in t 1,099 days, 98 days, right? And if if the biggest problem we had was that the coffee got shut off early yesterday, I'll take it. Great, great problem to have. Great problem to have. Can you guys like fine? Can you maybe talk about what's changed since? 2019 to now, like what, what changes have we made in the conference to make the experience better? Sure, I'll, I'll start. That are, that are um, today? Yeah, so, well, I'll start with some physical changes that people probably notice that they're these huge stairwells. Huge. Uh, and, and they're literally huge, but they're also um, a huge deal for us because it makes the space more accessible. There's a different flow. I felt a different flow this year. Uh, you go like right across from where we are. We have the stairs that go right up, and you're suddenly in the Creativity Cafe, versus having to go down to one of the entryways and out, and then up the exterior stairs and back in. It just makes it a lot more um, accessible for our attendees and uh, our presenters to access the different spaces. Like I noticed that this morning because I, I, you know, because we all have like short. Don't you always feel like when you pick sessions, you somehow pick a session that's like blue one or whatever way on the other side or blue 90 and then your next session is red one and you have to like run across. I found it to be really actually kind of nice that I could just zoom up and down, swing through some of our interactive spaces on my way to my next session. Um, so that's, that's one of the big physical changes of the space. Um, we also have this whole space that it's a vendor area down what direction is that? North, I think. Sure. Kind of like if you were coming up the escalators into yeah. the conference and you took a right. <laughs> that next year, my friends, is going to be a game changer, I think. And there's more info to come on that. But that renovation will be a big, big gain for us, too, hopefully. And that will complete the loop, correct? It will complete the loop. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we'll, we don't have too many details from Gillette yet about that. But I'm hoping that it will create an opportunity for us to have even more accessibility. But... Mm -hmm. um, no, I, and I think, too, like, uh, changes, yes, sure, little things here and there, Neil, to answer your question, but we really wanted to work to preserve a lot of what people loved about MassQ, especially in our first year back. Uh, Heidi, what do you think? Anything come to mind? Um, yeah, well, we definitely did not change the ice cream or the cookies at 2 p.m. I think there would have been um, some problems with our membership if we had gotten rid of that. So we're never going to change that. Um, but what we one another thing that we've offered this year that we haven't offered in the past is that um, folks who can't come here in person for whatever reason, um, we do have an on-demand option for this conference. Um, that was a way for us to be more equitable, to provide a little more access um, for lots of reasons. Um, and one of them might even be that maybe your district might be um, not able to find subs for you that day. You're still able to participate and um, engage with the conference through the on-demand option. Yeah, I, and I have to say that the switch to the Whova app um, has been a game changer too. The, being it. able to 
get into that, the on-demand map, where the, schedule, where the schedule is, and then to be able to go into the schedule and pull the slide decks for all the presenters, just a huge, huge change. I totally agree. We started uh, with the Whova app last year during the virtual conference, and I'm so, so, so glad we kept it. One of the things, Chris and I did a, um, a session together on MassQ, looking back to look forward, um, and we created two polls that went with our session, and the session was yesterday at, I think, 11.30, and we're still getting responses to our poll through the Whova app. Um, so it's really fabulous that we can still engage with folks who weren't even there to see our session. At that time, we were able to ca capture their thoughts. I think an unsung hero for the work that we do is Delaney Conference uh, team, the Delaney Conferences and Events. I always get their company mixed up. Um, they're fantastic. Caitlin and Karen, uh, who were buzzing around all the past 48 hours, even they were here at bright and early on Tuesday morning getting everything set up. Their role is to interface with our, with our vendors and also um, Karen works on that and then Caitlin kind of manages all the back end for our sessions and all that. Uh, but, but, you know, their support has been instrumental in making the on-demand happen, right? That's the next iteration of MassQ, is making our content, making what we do more accessible and more um, available to more members in our community. Sorry, I was a little distracted by Neil waving at all of his fans. Sorry, my fan club, they're taking pictures. Neil, they are. There's a so whole hold crew. on, did you, you go to his session today? Of course they did. Did they're you Neil go to his heads. session? No, last. Oh. Okay, how was it? Oh, good. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, we yeah. Went, we he'll sign great. your ID badges we were at, after. I was at their session last night at Howl at the Moon. It was a little different. Oh, a little different that was a little different. Kind of professional development than yeah. probably used to. Neil, how many people went to your session today? The most recent one? Yeah. Uh, enough that we had to try and put it on the screen facing the football stadium. So maybe 50, 60, so I'm, I don't know. And I'm saying that as a compliment to you. Because oh, I've heard that yeah. your sessions were packed, which is great. I, I don't know why, but it, I love no, seeing all of us. Is, I get a lot of familiar faces and a lot of new faces. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll tell you why. because I've, I'll tell you why, because I've been to one of your sessions before. Oh, they're right. intense, and they're fun, and you learn a lot. That's why. Well, thank you. I'm flattered. If you guys could see me, my face is blushing right now. But let's be serious. They're still pretty boring. Yeah, so anyway, uh, but uh, I'm just kidding. Neil, like, Neil says that Google Sheets are sexy. So I did, right. I will tweet it out. I, I stand by that. Just Google kidding. Sheets are sexy. Great. So yeah. So what about you guys? You tell us. You're, you're MassQ veterans. What did you think? What, were, what stood out to you as being different? What were you excited about? What, what, what did you love over the past couple of days? I think honestly, it's a simple thing. Just looking at people's faces, whether and whether it's mask you or just being together and being able to collaborate and, and feel normal again. I think that's it's been a long time, and I, I said this to everyone: like teachers don't get a lot of perks in their lives. If they get a free bagel on a Friday morning, they're super pumped. So to come here and be treated like the rock stars that they are, I think it's just great to see that smile on their face and the bounce in their step, and know that they're appreciated and that they're doing great work and doing God's work, working with you know children every day and, and dealing with all the new standards and all this stuff going on. It's just it's great that they can get a day to come and just learn and be themselves and have fun with the vendors and do all that good stuff. I know I've spent the last four years working with Liz from HP, having never actually seen Liz from HP, and I met Liz from HP today, right? You know, we've been buying devices from Liz for four years, and having never actually laid eyes on this person or spoken to this person in, in person, uh, that the relationships with the vendors, 
and having being able to actually see them and speak to them again in person and play with their toys on their tables or you know hear about the latest developments in their software that stuff has been great and and of course like you said seeing people again um, most people they they come in and they say oh my gosh your beard got gray and <laughs> since you took that mask it was it the mask did the mask do it it did it did the mask did it <laughs> but it was yeah being in person here yeah yeah, it's all about relationships, you know, and being able to, to your point, to be able to actually have that face-to-face -face conversation instead of being a square on a Zoom box, um, and it makes all the difference in the world. Going forward, what do you see for, you know, an evolution of the MassCU conference uh, in the future, whether it's next year or five years from now? Well, we, we've got big plans, um, and I think that... Um, I'm going to plug that survey one more time because that survey that we are we put out yesterday um, is really going to inform how we move forward. We see this as a living, breathing thing, this conference, and we want it to respond to the current needs of our community. So um, we're not tied into doing things the same way just because we've always done them. We want to make it keep it relevant because we know that it is. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to make sure that the way we're we're um, allowing people to access this is that um, we're inviting in everybody. Mm -hmm. We want everyone invited into this space, um, and we want it to feel um, uh, like a community yeah. that's bigger than maybe it's ever been. Yeah. I I totally agree with Heidi. Um, that survey is going to be really important for for us to think about the next iteration, to use that word again, I think I said it earlier. Um, just a few quick things, like I would love I would love to see a, an eSports presence at our conference. I think it's a really important aspect that uh, of what we do as digital-minded educators. Um, there are a lot of eSports teams, programs around the Commonwealth that I would love to engage and get them here. Um, but only if that's what our members want, mm -hmm. if that's what people want, right? But I think it'd be a great opportunity. Um, but also to continue to expand our offerings for different segments of uh, what we do. Like for example, uh, kind of kind of an unsung session that we, we tried out this year was uh, Colleen Terrell and Karen Winsper, who you know are two tech directors who are really, really experts at what they do. Mm. Um, they went to a session at ISTE that was basically like they went and they were taught protocols for, for evaluating edtech tools. And then what at ISTE, they, the trainers then brought them down to the vendor floor and walked them through, right? And coached people on talking to vendors and asking the right questions about, is this what's best for our school? Is this what's best for our community? Um, Colleen and Karen did that a bit with one of their sessions and it went really well. So I'm just using that as an example of like the more hands-on coaching opportunities that we could have for our members, whether they're like, you know, I'm an assistant principal, I would love to have more opportunities for school-based leadership, right, at MassCU. There's a lot of us here. There are principals and assistant principals all over. Um, so whether, whether it's in socials or even just opportunities to learn together, um, to me, like just being responsive to what people need but also seeing and recognizing the diverse roles that exist among all of our members and providing opportunities for them. 
And just um, sort of adding on to that, our interactive spaces are so incredibly popular. And I, as a presenter, I love the interactive space experience because it's more of a conversation. So I would love to see us add um, specifically an early learning interactive space. Um, that's definitely, um, we had options for early learning here for sure, but it wasn't all in one spot. So um, I would love to see something like that happen. But time will tell. And you know I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that. <laughs> the elementary folks here, I think that's great. There's so many opportunities. Holly Caulfield is right here too. She would be all in on that. An early learning space at MassQ to talk about elementary ed. We're recording a podcast live. Do you want to, Holly Caulfield, a board member, is here. Medfield not really Public in the shot. Proud That's okay. principal of Medfield Public School. <laughs> What's the best part about the conference for you? Oh my gosh, networking, being in person, seeing old friends, making new friends. I, I everything. Awesome. How was your first conference as a board member? Busy. I got well over 10,000 steps each day, <laughs> but it was great. Absolutely just filled my bucket, re-energized me. Awesome. Great. Thanks. All right. Great. So, um, yeah. I, I guess for me, part of the, what's special is, is, it, is the venue, right? That this location is such a cool location. And talking to some of the vendors, they said the same thing. They were like, why doesn't everybody do one of these in an NFL stadium? I'm like, I don't know that that option is available to everybody, but we've been fortunate to have it here. That it's cool to be able to like walk by and you see the team practicing or Pat Patriots walking. But you didn't really see the team practicing. Didn't see the team you practicing. Didn't see the team practicing. I saw I saw no, no people, saw I but I don't know what they about. were doing. I don't know. No, let's just say that they're going to be running the wing tee against the Bears on oh, Monday night. Oh wink, my wink. God. The Bears. So much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, as you think about it. You know, year over year, many of us have been coming here. It used to be you get here, you get in your thing, you take a picture of the field, or outside, and like I don't have a single picture this year of the field. It's kind of like you get used to it after a while. It's like being this fantastic space, and it's just really, uh, it is. It's always special, though, you know, being in Gillette. Yeah. What could you ask for? Yeah. I will say that we, uh, John Criffo, who I th he was interviewed, he's, uh, Jeff's nodding his head, he, he was here, uh, uh, I think yesterday, he did, he's from California, and he for a long time helped run and coordinate the California Q, basically the mass Q of California and Nevada, so huge amount of space, they do a big conference at Palm Springs, about twice the size of mass Q. He could not stop saying how well organized and how run, well run our conference was, but his specific feedback was something that I'd never really heard before. And it really made me think, and that was the way that our vendor floor is lined out or organized creates almost like a very intimate experience. Mm -hmm. Instead of being in a big exhi exhibition hall like at ISTE, it's just like a gymnasium. Yeah. We don't have that here. It's, it's the ceiling's a little bit lower, like people are very friendly, people can connect, you can just feel comfortable going up to someone and having a conversation. So he really, really, they, he, he couldn't get over it. So, which was really great to hear that feedback because he truly is a master of putting on events like this. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just great to have him here and, and share that feedback with us. Yeah. Any final thoughts on, on the, the week that was? Sure. Um, first of all, I, I can't believe that it's over. I feel like we've anticipated this moment for approximately three years. Yep to be all back together again. And I just can't wait to let my mind rest a little bit 
Um, and that's when all of the new things I learned and all of the things um, that I want to bring back to my home district mm. um, and the things that I want to discuss with the MassQ board about what went well and, and you know, to really debrief this process. I need a couple of days before I'm ready to do that. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, just so overwhelmed with um, just the excitement of being together again. And um, totally agree. Yeah. For you, Heidi, next year uh -oh. is going to be a transition year for you. Because at this moment next year, you get to be the president of MassQ. <laughs> and I get to fade away. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but th but that will that will be an exciting element of next year too. Is like Heidi and I will really be part. We already are partners in a lot of what we do in leading this organization. But especially next year, you'll see us transition over to Heidi's leadership, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah. So. I'm not. I said I'm ready, but not right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, I know we're all look. I can I can speak for that. I'm, we're all looking forward to Heidi taking over, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. <laughs> Neil, any final thoughts? Wow. Um, besides that? Yeah. Uh, no, I just I just I think I want people to know that the the amount of work that goes into putting on this conference is incredible. Uh, I, I, I see it firsthand. Um, specifically, there's a handful of people on our conference committee that just do so much work, all volunteers, to make this work, uh, in addition to the work that the people from Delaney and all the other contractors do, but it's really a, a group of dedicated people that have been meeting, I think for three years straight now we've been meeting, but um, without them, this conference doesn't happen, so you know, thank you Chris and your team, and Heidi and your team, and everyone that made it happen, because it's just an incredible process, and it, it's part, the journey is incredible, and as Heidi said, like, I can't believe it's over, it's like we spend... 12 months getting this ready it's like two days it's gone and uh it's it's uh, just happy about the way our team put it all together thanks well that'll so, that'll do it are you guys ready to go clean up a little bit sorry yes. i can't hear you yes we're gonna go clean up i don't yeah, sorry i can't go, hear you we're I don't, gonna go tidy I don't, up gillette I, I don't follow i don't all right sorry, <laughs> the mic's not working. Is, is this thing on no <laughs> anyway for uh for Chris Goslin and Heidi McGregor and Neil Sonnenberg, I'm Brandon Hall, closing out MassQ 2022. We will see you back here next year. See you next year. You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.